Hello and welcome once again to episode 121 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. Uh, so let's let's start off with a, a little bit of story time. Uh, so I would say like last week, uh, my cats have uh, vanquished yet another one of the expensive cables. This time, this nearly untouched MagSafe 3 uh, cable um, has, if you if you scrutinize it enough, bite marks on it. Uh, and those bite marks are enough to give it the, the yellow flashes of of Ooh. I'm dead. And this, this cable can start fire, so it's not going to actually charge uh, lights, which I, is good. Uh, the, the, the less good part about that is they are like, not readily available anywhere, so it's like you gotta go to the Apple Store to order more. So, long story short, um, I I went to the Apple Store and I bought like four of them because at this <laughs> point I don't know how this is not the first one. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, many have been uh, bitten through, uh, and I'm like down in my reserves. So uh, this is this is me me restocking, uh, yeah. and it's not because I'm like leaving them out. Like I am extra careful now. With any cable that I care about, including set headphone cables. This is also one of my last ones. I think I have like one more spare after this. But uh, if, if we suddenly start missing episodes, it's because uh, something happened. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I am like sure to tuck these away. But every now and then they find a way they like get curious and they're like, oh, what happens if I just pull up these couch cushions? And then uh, there I discover cables no longer working. Um, right. So... Yeah, uh, long story short, went to the Apple Store, uh, and I got a chance to check out the new HomePods. Um, and I immediately noticed a difference, uh, and that is the new HomePods have a little lip at the top. Uh, so that, that like, mesh fabric uh, will kind of go over the screen and under, and there's, like, a 2 millimeter ish gap between the screen and the new top of the HomePod. Um, mm. So... I don't know uh, anyone who who was curious about the new HomePods but did not get one. Uh, that is a a fact that I can share with you now, uh, having seen them in person. <laughs> that was like the immediate thing that popped out at me. Um, I've read that people have done like um, sound tests, and although they da- sound different, there's no like this one sounds better or this one sounds louder than the other one. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they, for all intents and purposes, they are not inferior in any way. Uh, except in this one way, and that is because those specific mounts that like anchor the bottom and the top of the HomePod's extru- extrusions will no longer work. We're going to need a different mount that kind of like uh-huh. holds in, I guess, a little bit. Um, and that would be the new, the new like wall mount for HomePods. I don't know if you have any wall mounted. Uh, we have one no. in our kitchen, but yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. I did so also. Did, I can't remember if you said this last time we talked about this. Are they like fatter or like dimensionally? Are they a little bit different or are they pretty much the same? Otherwise, they're a little bit different. I think they're like shorter and fatter or taller and skinnier. One of okay. one of those two things. Um, and apparently, according to iFix, that there's like no glue to take them apart anymore, so it's like really easy to actually oh. take them apart. Um, nice. I did not actually watch the the thing. I really should, uh, but. Uh, yeah, apparently it's easier to take apart. That's that's the the, the gist that I got out of reading headlines this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to see like the repairability score on like Apple devices from iFix. It's like 
a two out of ten at most for some things. Like we that, invented yeah. a new lower one than one because yeah. <laughs> this was a new record for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of cool. Like I remember watching the first one. They, I think they had to like cut away all of the mesh and everything to get inside of it, and mm-hmm. you know, so that's yeah. cool. I, I don't know what. I guess if one of the speakers goes out, you might be able to replace it. I don't know. That's cool though. Yeah, or yeah. one of the components burns out, like what was happening with the first gen. Uh, mine all still work. Uh, and uh, second second uh, story of the night. Uh, so, uh, weeks ago, my stereo pair that I used for our TV setup, uh, which was working perfectly fine, all of a sudden, it still kind of worked, but not perfectly fine. Uh, the, the asterisk there comes from the fact that when you change volume, only the left one would change. Uh, the right one would stay at whatever volume it was set to. It would still get audio like flawlessly, no latency or any of that. Um, so it was just the, the volume just did not want to connect. Uh, you could go up to the top of the HomePod and press the okay. plus and minus, and that worked. Uh, so we kind of defaulted to just putting it at zero because uh, if Lynn wanted to do like Apple Fitness in the morning and I was on a meeting, she couldn't turn down the volume via the remote. Um, so that was super impractical. Um, so. Uh, yeah, uh, after throwing my head at a wall for what felt like a few weeks, I finally just said, okay, I'm resetting everything. And guess what? I fixed the right HomePod. Only for the <laughs> left HomePod to no longer change volume. Oh, I no. It. So, uh, yeah, that, that was really tearing my hair out uh, situation. But I did end up solving it, and I ended up solving it for a completely different reason. A bunch of my other HomeKit stuff was just like, not working anymore either so i'm like okay i think i'm just gonna restart all the unify access points and lo and behold that not only fixed the home kit stuff it also fixed the home pod stuff so Weird. everything just started working from that point forward uh and yeah a, a little bit of disappointment for unify stuff that's supposed to be like the rock solid that you never have to like turn off or power cycle every now and then uh, and that needed the most power cycling uh, that I have seen. So, uh, yeah, it, it lasted, I guess, more than my Mac did uh, because I need to restart that one uh, semi-often. Otherwise, uh, new Safari windows just render black just because <laughs> that's that's the cool thing to do. And oh, the yeah. best part is the way to get them back is you find some other Safari windows, you close those, and then you get back to this one, you command A to select all, and that redraws... But just the text parts, <laughs> so you still oh have some gosh. flash. It's like, it, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I am like ready to go retire as a farmer and an isekai <laughs> or something. Um, I'm oh, yeah. ready to be a uh, trekund out of here because Trekkund. nothing, nothing is really working uh, for me technology wise. And yeah, it's, I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I agree that, like, the whole Unify stuff should definitely just, like, work, and that's kind of the whole point. Um, it works now, and I restarted yeah, well, it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I know, but, like, the the question is how long is that going to last, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now it, I know. It's... I just have to restart everything. And you have to be smart yeah. about restarting everything, because to restart everything, you need to be on the last access point, access point that, like, still has access to restart the other ones. Because you can't just say, like, restart all. You need to go to each one and say, like, restart. Go to the next one, restart. So I have to, like, plan it. And figure out which mm. access point I'm on, and then restart all the other ones first, and then do that one last. Otherwise, once I restart that one, then I don't have access anymore right. uh, because I'm like wireless, of course. So, 
Um, yeah, I guess maybe I'll do that wired next time. But yeah, alas. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Doesn't yeah. fill me uh, with confidence. Yeah, I, for me, my Unify stuff has been great, and I have um, three access points right now, including like the router itself. Um, yeah, and it's been fine. Like I haven't had, as far as I can tell, any like HomeKit specific things. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. And you have like the the Super Baller Network TM, uh, so. <laughs> it's baller and they get to restart it every few days along with everything else yeah true so i don't know uh and in in better news it turns out you can make stereo pairs with mismatched home pods you just need a mac um and i think like airfoil or something uh Mm -hmm. and you just manually make a an aggregate device that you can airplay to um and yeah that's a that's a solution i don't know if it'll work for like the apple tv yeah home theater kind of setup uh but it should definitely work for like the music setup yeah that was my question as well like does are you able to somehow save that as like an its own airplay device over the network or in iCloud or i don't know how that would work but i mean that's that would be my use case right is getting a second one for my apple tv so if it doesn't do that then uh that's kind of a bummer and i'm not sure i would actually use it so uh Perhaps people will test it with an Apple TV. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, you can probably find the OG ones for really cheap since people are going to be like, I want probably. this OG one. I want the the newer one uh, because the the original ones are slow and use the slow ones for your TV uh, and to just disable Hey Siri. Like at that point, they're just nice speakers um, that are wirelessly connected and you don't have to deal with the, the slowness of Hey Siri. So, um, yeah, I, I would suggest doing that if. So. Yeah. <laughs> she agrees um but yeah i would i would go ahead and say like if you are planning on getting newer home pods and you still have the older ones use the older ones as as like your tv setup speakers if you have tvs lying around uh rather than the ones that you actually will like poke around with and reach with your with your like phone right um because like yeah they don't need to be fast uh for that mm-hmm. they they work perfectly fine despite how slow they are and there's like zero latency even when playing games um i'm sure someone will notice but it's it's been really great for me nice yeah kind of a real-time follow-up i'm like looking on ebay and like local classifieds and they're still going for like 230 250 so i mean maybe i'll try to be on the lookout to find like you know someone with like just a good deal but kind of seem like they're holding their value which i am a little surprised about um now that the new ones are out, but maybe it'll just take time for people to get the new ones and then try to offload their old ones. And that's a good mm-hmm. idea. Maybe I'll do that and just uh, that will be my way of getting my pair without spending $600. So good thinking. It's uh, hard at work. Um, yeah. So that leads us into our next topic. Um, and that is that our good friend Class Cal is back in the news. Uh, it's back in the news because the source code has been released along with the Lisa source code, um, which I think we talked about that that was like just recently open source and donated yeah. uh, to the Computer History Museum. Um, and you might remember ClassCal from Code Completion Episode 3, uh, where we had it as Whoa. a part of our little trivia thing. Uh, so yeah, ClassCal source code, if you want to learn about 
a object oriented version of Pascal um, that is now now available for poking at. Um, yeah, I would not recommend writing your next app in this, uh, but uh, from an educational point of view, it should be way easier to learn how that works rather than learn how like Swift works under the hood. Um, yeah. Way less complexity. Uh, so yeah, glad to see it. Nice. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, yeah, not sure I would ever use it, but it's fun to see like that whole thing that you know was closed source just be open for people to explore and. I don't know what you can particularly get out of it, but perhaps it's, it's just, I don't know. It's cool that it's, it's out in the open, I guess is my biggest thing. Definitely. Uh, something else that's out in the open is uh, Apple's report card. So this is a thing that uh, Steven Snell uh, does from six colors, I think. Um, yeah. And he basically goes and asks. Sorry, Jason Jason's, Snell. Yes, Jason Snell. Oh my goodness. Uh, so yes, Jason Snell, Jason Snell of Six Colors uh, goes and asks a bunch of other people in the uh, Apple blogosphere, uh, if you will. Um, are blogs still things? I don't know. Uh, but he goes and asks and asks them to rate a whole bunch of different aspects of uh, Apple. So in particular, the Mac, the iPhone, the iPad, the watch, the Apple TV services, HomeKit, hardware reliability, software quality, dev relations, uh, environment, social impact, and wearables, uh, like AirPods and watch kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, he will go ahead and collect all this and then collect people's thoughts. Um, and it is overall a good kind of snapshot because uh, not only did he do this this year, he's been doing it for the past several years, uh, ever since 2015. Uh, so you get a good kind of uh, idea of how uh, Apple's... Uh, quality bars changing over time and i think that's mm -hmm. relatively cool to see yeah it's it's interesting like um the the first graph that he has is like average scores for how apple did from like one or zero or yeah one to five um pretty like uh, like I, I read this and taken on its own i was like yeah I, I kind of agree with that and then it's fun to see the the changes since last year like uh, one of the highest ones is the Mac at like a 4.2. It was like, yeah, that checks out. Um, but then if you go for the change since last year, it's gone down 0 0.4. So it was at 4.6. And just kind of fun to see these these trends. And it's got graphs for each of these things. And um, at the highest, it was at 4.7 the year before. And that was that you know coincides basically with the M1. Uh, so kind of fun i mean if all other things equal uh just people's way of ranking these things is is fun to see um like the ipad for example has gone down 0.7 um and i mean when i read that I was like yeah that checks out there isn't really anything new since last year there's the m2 ipad pro and that's probably the most exciting thing but we already had the M1 iPad Pro and the M1 uh, iPad Air before that. So mm -hmm. I guess it's fun to see like how things are to other people externally um, either improving or degrading with Apple, like hardware reliability and uh, let's see, HomeKit, software quality, dev relations have all not changed since last year. But it's fun to see like, 
hardware reliability is at a 4.5, but then you go to dev relations, it's at, at like a 2.8. So like the sentiment has stayed the same and that sort of checks out at least with, you know, what's been going on with uh, the developer relations stuff with Apple with still taking 30% and not everything. So um, it's cool to see, like you said, the, these trends and these changes over a period of many years to see. Uh, yeah, I guess the overall trend for a long time. So yeah, cool like, idea it, for sure. Is it getting better? Or is it getting worse? Like definitely for yeah. the Mac, you can see it got a lot better um, over the past few years. So even though it's dropping because 2022 was a lackluster uh, year for Apple um, from a from a like biggest bang for the news uh, article kind of thing. Um, yeah, that might be true, but they're doing great otherwise. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like developer relations, they haven't really improved at all over the past uh, several years. And then the iPad, it's had like a great, uh, a, a great promise uh, in terms of like, oh, the hardware is amazing, but then just you just need the software to catch up. Um, yeah. And then, oh, twenty twenty two is gonna be the year of the iPad software. We're gonna get that new thing uh, that lets you like multitask on the iPad like never before, and it turns out to be something that just does not really work for a lot of people and um i have yet to discover on my own like apple doesn't even want to put this <laughs> feature front and forward i like this is the one year i did not go through every new setting because i redid the whole settings app and i don't have time for that anymore uh but yeah i i don't know how to do the new i don't even remember what's called theme manager or something scene stage manager stage manager uh, yeah, I I have yet to naturally land on it, on uh, and <laughs> Apple has yet to force it upon me. So uh, even they must not feel so great about it. Um, so maybe it's more of a 2023 thing. Uh, it sucks that this has to be yearly, and they can't just keep iterating on this throughout the year. Uh, but the, this is what it is. Yeah, the article is super long but it's because it has like all of these different categories and people's thoughts on them. It's fun to go read about like other people's thoughts. Like I think the big one for me was like HomeKit because like nothing's really changed about HomeKit in a long time. And I think we're all like, this has been my sentiment, but it also is sort of, um, I guess followed up or, or also stated by a lot of these people about like matter being sort of on the precipice here. And I think we're all just sort of waiting for that. Like, better reliability, just more compatibility and an overall better home experience because right now it's like not awesome. Like one of the people wrote like it's it's hard to debug any problem that you have with HomeKit. Like, you know, Dimitri just like reset the Unify stuff. I guess that might work, maybe. And, you know, if that didn't work, you probably wouldn't have had like any other recourse uh, if it didn't work. So it's fun to see the trend like... It, it's not just me that's having problems with HomeKit or whatever, or it's not just me that thinks that like the Mac is doing pretty dang well or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the HomeKit stuff is harsh though, uh, especially because like I really want it to work, and that's the that's the thing that's keeping me using it. Otherwise, oh, and the fact that I was smart and got switches that are like they still look like regular switches, so you can mm -hmm. always oh, rely yeah. on that. Like, imagine sure. if there were no switches on the wall. This is like yeah. a, an Apple home. Uh, that would yeah. be a nightmare. Um, yeah. But because there are still switches, I can still get out of bed to turn off the lights. Mm -hmm. 
oh my gosh uh but like that is that is something it can do and it it really sucks when you when you get used to being able oh, to I know. tell the tell the lady to 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 dim the lights and to and to to go to bed like we have it set for dim dim we'll go ahead and dim the lights to like two percent or something like barely on just so that way you can still see but it's not like Blinding. annoying other people uh yeah. and then uh night night we'll go ahead and actually turn them all off um so we have that all like it's ingrained in our in our behavioral patterns at this point uh but yeah. then it's like oh uh dim dim and then it's not dimming it's still like blaring at 50 percent. you're like ah. That's a now crawl out of bed, out of my sleepy state, uh, to go exactly. turn off the lights. Uh, so it's not the future that I wanted, uh, but it's the future that we live in because this is not this is not rock solid yet. Um, and who knows, like which part of it is at fault, right? Um, half the times it might be the switches where I notice, hey, they just don't want to connect, and you have to like restart them, uh, which mm-hmm. is the stupidest thing to need to restart your wall <laughs> switch. Uh, but that's just something you need to do. Uh, and other times it's unify apparently. Uh, so I I don't really know anymore what my thought were. Like I would still set it up again because like when it works it's super convenient. But yeah, don't ever install this without a plan B in mind because that can definitely become a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine like uh, I don't know a future where. Your your the the you know your house door lock or something is like only able to be opened by HomeKit or something like still probably need keys or something. So I have not used my house keys in like years really? at this point. Yeah, actually, I I don't either because I go through my garage, but uh, I really only lock them if I'm like if I know I'm going to be gone for a while. But if I like go grocery shopping, I'm like, eh, whatever. No, so. We have one of those uh, Yale Smart Living. It always says that every time you change the batteries. So um, <laughs> that's something I remember. But it has one of those little keypads on the outside. Yeah. Um, so oh, I just I just use nice. the keypad all the time. Yeah, um, that's nice. I wish I wish like HomeKit could be smart enough of like when my car comes back home uh, and CarPlay like offer me unlock the door please. Um, cool. But no, it offers on the phone, and then you have to like press and hold, and then wait for that to pop up, and like open the home app. It's like needlessly frictiony uh, when mm-hmm. CarPlay could have done it. Uh, so Apple, if you're listening, please fix macOS 10. Uh, then uh, after you've done that, go ahead or- and add a button to CarPlay to unlock the front doors. Uh, that would be very much appreciated because you know where I live. Uh, please, please be useful uh, rather than just knowing where I live because that's kind of useless. But yeah. <laughs> we're not on Mac OS 10 anymore, but yes. Oh, we're not on Mac OS 10 anymore. Um, no. <laughs> oh, uh, please Mac, update Mac OS 10. Let, let's go back. That was better. Yes. I feel yes. like that was that was a lot more stable. Um, it wasn't available for, for Apple Silicon, but like you can make it work. Um, yeah. I, I believe in you. <laughs> uh, something that Apple is making work uh, is actually uh, Swift Evolution. Uh, because we have yet another uh, proposal that's come in, and that is for static big int um, for when you need big numbers. Yeah, this uh, this is interesting, and I, I don't know if I completely understand it, so I'll kind of run through it, what I understood. Um, it talked about like needing to represent like insanely large numbers, something that like an int 64 couldn't hold. So they gave an example of like int 256, which 
as far as I know, doesn't exist yet, right? Or uh, yeah, I think the Swift numerics library has support for them. Um, if oh, okay. you really need to do like big number calculations, um, which is mostly just used for like cryptography and stuff. Um, sure. And yeah, sometimes you just need to add two big numbers together. It's like right. not not far fetching. It's just it's a pain to need to do that manually because you can't carry the one onto uh, a different set of buffers, and that's complicated. Right. Anyways, so this this was like being able to I think like know what the size of the number was or something like that without or like know if it's positive or negative um and know the size of the int without actually like needing the value or something i don't know i i kind of ran through it quickly so sorry i kind of butchered that (laughs) no so it's mostly for being able to type in a large number in code um otherwise you would be limited to in 64 um and if you if you want to type a bigger number than N64, which is pretty large, um, then yeah. you'd be able to you'd be able to do that because um, it would represent that uh, that number as a series of bytes rather than just giving you like this okay. is this the, this won't compile because it's too big of a thing. It's the hard limit. Yeah, um, and it does that by giving the code a way to check dynamically like how large is this buffer before I try to consume it. Um, and if it's too large, then the code can go ahead and throw. Um, but if it's, if it's within the realm that it can understand, then you can go ahead and, and do something with it. So, uh, it's yet another example of Swift evolution, like being very open to supporting more and more non-trivial things that will come up as you're writing new libraries. Um, so if you are also writing a library and you need some Swift to be able to do something, uh, like definitely go for it, write a proposal for it, um, and get it in the language because chances are, as long as you have a valid use case that can be used for other things, uh, or you are working on a public library that can be used by others and it needs this functionality to kind of be possible, uh, then the community will likely like be open to hearing your case. Um, and it's, quite cool to be able to get something like that into the language itself that everyone else can use. So, yeah. Yeah. On the topic of uh, things that other people can use, um, we have uh, an unfortunate delay in the not-yet-released mini-LED 27-inch external displays uh, that we have yet to see. Um, So it seems like we're not going to see them for quite a while more. Yeah. That's the news. Bummer. Yep. It said it was targeting a, uh, or the rumor was that Apple was targeting a, a Q- Q1 2023 release. So uh, they're not going to hit that, which is a bummer. So um, I don't think you were really wanting one where you, you were, I, I mean, you wouldn't probably go down from 32 to 27 inches uh, for yeah. like a main display, would you? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't go for for it particularly. Uh, but if I were going to go for an external display at this point, I would definitely want uh, it to be HDR capable. Um, like yeah. it is quite striking uh, being used to an HDR display and then going back to a non HDR display. Um, so yeah, that that would be the only thing that I would say is a deal killer with for the current Apple Studio displays. Like I don't even care about the camera, to be honest. Yeah, um, I have more than enough unused cameras on my desk. Uh, that I can make use of. Um, but 
uh yeah the 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 hcrness that would be that would be a deal killer um so yeah looking forward to them one day existing but more looking forward to the hypothetical 7k because 6k is no longer um is no longer gucci enough so uh looking forward to that 7k coming out one day and yeah yeah you're insatiable with your hunt for pixels (laughs) Um, another thing that is kind of rumored, which is like a blast from the past almost, because this was like a rumor years ago, was they're working on Apple. They are working on reverse wireless charging for the iPhone, which it kind of already has the article mentions, which I had completely forgot about. But there's that uh, MagSafe battery pack that's like first party that... Um, if you know it's just sticking to the back of your phone and you plug your phone in with a lightning cable it will actually charge uh the battery pack but that's like the extent of the reverse wireless charging but this whole feature is super cool because you could like uh have your airpods uh you know you could just be walking around with your phone and your airpods if your airpods die completely including the case uh you could or i guess not even really die completely you just want to top it up put it on the back of your phone on the coil where you would normally charge your phone and it can do it the other way. And so it seems like, I think if I remember, I, I don't have the article up, but I think it's since like the iPhone 12 or 13, uh, that the hardware has been there. It's mm-hmm. just, there's no, I guess, firmware and or software support to enable that aside from, again, that one use case of the battery pack. So Seems like they couldn't get it working because of like thermal issues. Um, I think for the most part, but I could be wrong. So be really nice. I think it's a fairly niche use case, but like on the chance that you're in a place where you only have your phone and you need to charge your AirPods, or it really it, the whole thing is it could be any Qi wireless um, device, you need to charge your friend's phone or something you could in theory do it. So it'd be really cool. It seemed, uh, I think the article mentioned they were trying to actually uh, release this with the iPhone 14 series, but it didn't happen. So maybe they're looking to do that as like a big feature for, uh, I don't know if it would be the iPhone 15 or if it's just like iOS 17 supports that or something, because in theory you could sort of backport that over to the iPhone 12 or 13 series forward so Mm -hmm. and the part that i was thinking about most with all this was the fact that the newest version of chi charging which is basically the magsafe kind Mm -hmm. of connection where you have the magnets and all that i think that could probably be where this comes to play because with all the magnets like your airpods can just kind of like click into place behind your phone um Mm -hmm. to kind of charge from there um and that could be the way uh, that this could work uh, once it ultimately does get released. Um, I don't think it's going to be a software thing. It's probably going to be a hardware thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say because it works so well with the MagSafe battery pack um, and that it charges it where you're just like plugging into the phone, it's a really magical kind of feature in that regard. So it would be really cool for Apple to make this work for more things, especially as phones are getting more and more surplus uh, battery for those of us that, um, I guess, don't use them to their fullest. 
um, then it becomes a little char- portable battery pack in that case. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to that uh, one day being a thing, especially as phones get longer and longer battery lives. Um, I'd say this could be like more useful on a laptop. Like, hey, the little, the little. Uh, uh palm, palm rests rest. on the yeah. on the two sides like let me charge my phone there please um that would be great during ios development um though i guess it's always plugged in anyways uh but um yeah that, i'd say on the go that could be like more practical uh than than the alternative or maybe get some cheat charging on the ipad that would be pretty neat um yeah. especially if you can have the puck just like glue itself to the back of the ipad then that would be like perfect honestly uh but maybe it can't deliver enough power fast enough i don't know um i've seen ipads like not charge a lot oh yeah on like oh yeah suboptimal chargers are just like yeah we're not charging we're draining more than anything here um then again i've also plugged in my nintendo switch to my laptop and it's like yeah i'm charging and it's really not charging either so um yeah all sorts of fun scenarios i guess yeah on the on the topic of like having it in the palm rest, I think that's a cool idea. And when I go to my my job's office, um, I have it on one of those like lap. My I have my laptop on one of those stands, and I actually use the laptop's display on like at home. Um, but you can throw the AirPods case on like one of the corners, and because of the laptop's oh, it's magnetic like, <laughs> magnets, it just sticks there, and, like, that's where I put them. So, I mean, it'd be really cool to just have it, like, a you know, basically, yeah, like a, a Qi 2 or MagSafe uh, thing for the AirPods. So that'd be, that'd be a fun idea. And then the reverse can happen, right? You can charge your palm rest um, and just put the MagSafe puck on your palm rest, and that would charge yeah. your laptop. <laughs> there um, you go. It's a true wire- wireless charging. Uh, I don't know why we call this wireless charging because there's always a wire involved. There's a wire in yeah. in all of this. It's it's not like it's not wireless. It's it's maybe contactless, Tethered. but yeah, yeah it, it certainly ain't wireless. So uh, whatever happened? To, do you remember that um, P cell technology? Um, Bertrand, who used to work on Mac OS X uh, at Apple. Uh, he left Apple for to work on that, and it was basically like we can get very fast connections by using these multiple uh, cells, and they would like focus their beams directly on your device as it moves, um, and we can even charge uh, with that technology. Like, I think that would be really cool to have in in the near future, like true wireless charging, where you just like install something in the middle of the room, and it will just yeah. kind of beam trickle power slowly towards everything. Um, especially as we kind of get towards a, a true renewable like energy future um, for mm-hmm. those that have like solar and you actually have el- extra electricity to to go through, then yeah, why not use it for that? Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's kind of wasteful, I guess. I guess I answered mm-hmm. my own question. It's still well, a waste. Yeah. yeah, unless it's not. I don't know. I I do I don't remember that, but I remember there was like a Linus Tech Tips video years ago that. It was like, I think they called it Li-Fi. I could be wrong, but it was basically like, you know, a, a light that you just put in the center of the room. And um, they powered like a, a model train that was just going in circles, but there were no wires to it. There was no battery. It was just powered by whatever that actual sort of wireless 
power was. So it's like it it, it exists as a technology. I I don't think it went anywhere. I think it was more of like a tech demo than anything. So I don't know. It'd be really cool though. I mean, you just have your stuff. I mean, it's almost like the um. It makes me think of the uh, little. I guess it was like a solar cell on like a calculator, right? You, you put your finger over it and it just it doesn't work. But as soon as that receives the light, then it works. So you're aging cool. yourself, Spencer. You're aging yourself. I, I am very. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You see, you see the LCD slowly dim, and then you remove your <laughs> yeah. finger and it's back. You're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just monochrome display everything. Uh it's a. Uh... My friend, my friend was asking me uh, recently. He he went back to school after after several years, um, and he was interested. He needed a graphing calculator for for like exams mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, are they still a thing? Because we kind of have supercomputers in our pockets. Like, what's the point of a graphing calculator <laughs> anymore? I could yeah, not but... comprehend it. And I guess like, oh, it's a limited cell phone for the the use case of of like class and it doesn't have wi-fi but you know modern graphing calculators are probably just android with wi-fi and everything right like it would be cheaper to do that than to build an ancient kind of graphing calculator (laughs) i'll bet you that people are still like i don't know like i remember having to get like a ti-84 and it was like way expensive dude it it was i don't know Oh, from, I broke the mold the... and looked up the coolest calculator that I can get from the list of available ones. Oh. So I got some baller Casio thing that can do like 3D graphs um, and you can like program it. It was it was way better than the, put Doom the on TA. It. Yeah, uh, I don't think I put Doom on it. I, I definitely put Tetris on it um, <laughs> but, awesome. and Game Boy games. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, people like make Game Boy there. emulators and stuff for their calculators. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Um, which you don't need to do anymore because you can get them on your Switch now. Uh, anyways, um, yes, I'm kind true. of excited by Game Boy games on the Switch. Yeah, that's good. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, what is here is uh, antitrust stuff is back in the news. Um, and uh, yeah, apparently everyone wants Apple to relinquish control of the App Store, uh, both in Congress and in Japan. Um and there's like hints that Safari needs to improve if it's gonna stay competitive, um, and it's kind of been improving uh, from like a publicity point of view. Like they are, they have been uh, really going for like better specification coverage um, all around. So yeah, I don't know what to make make of this most recent set of complaints, um, <laughs> but it's gonna happen i guess it's the thing yeah it's interesting to see i mean the eu was kind of first right especially with like all the antitrust stuff now it's i i don't know how much it's actually gaining steam here in the u.s but like in japan um i don't also know sort of culturally if they're particularly litigious over big companies or anything if they're really gonna uh follow up on on this or if it's just more of a statement to you know state what everyone else is stating same here um yeah i don't know no geopolitics expert so you've come to the wrong podcast so yeah i guess when it happens it happens and that's when we'll 
we'll know what happens because I don't know. Apple should have gone ahead of this. We've said this before. Yeah. Um, there were so many ways that they could. Maybe they still will. Um, and it's just not gonna be a thing after this year's WWDC. Um, but I don't think they realize the kind of self harm they've done via yeah. this. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It is. I'm interested to see the benefits quote-unquote of having a non-webkit browser like i think the biggest thing here is like you know even chrome and brave and everything use um webkit on ios and everything which i get so it talks about um google and firefox having already sort of made the first steps to um have their own um I forget what it's called, like renderers, um, mm-hmm. work with work with iOS and stuff. So I don't really know. I I don't know. For me, like Safari has been great for everything I use, and I'm not. I guess I I don't know the reason you would want to have something other than that. Other than I I get that it's like another option, but I think for the most part um what people actually care about when they use like firefox or chrome on their iphone is that it syncs their bookmarks and their passwords and stuff like that because they are not in the apple ecosystem they're in some other ecosystem um so that's what people mostly care about i don't think anyone cares that like you're not able to do this that or other things via those browsers because those browsers have exposed like new JavaScript APIs that like they wanted to expose, right? They just have to implement it via the bridging headers and uh, via Objective-C and they can expose whatever they want uh, in terms yeah. of JavaScript APIs. So that is not the limitation. Um, what's going to be really funny is that these browsers are going to come out with their own rendering engines and then scrolling is going to suck for a few months because they didn't get the Ooh. mechanics just right. Um and there's going to be, like, very subtle things. Like, hey, I can't select text correctly uh, in Chrome anymore. Right. What's up with that? Um, or I can't do this in Firefox. Like, when I do this thing in Firefox or tap and hold on a link, uh, the wrong thing happens. So there's going to be a lot of that for, for a few months. And uh, they're gonna be, there's going to be some user interaction catching up uh, from their point of view. Uh, that said... Uh, that's going to be followed up with, hey, look at all these new browser APIs that weren't available before uh, that everyone's going to start playing that game. And then, oh, yeah. you can't view this on uh, on Safari. You need to use Safari. Chrome for this website. Um, that's going to suck, that dude. Other thing. So uh, that's the way it ends up going. Um, I know. It's good to see Apple like putting the effort back into improving Safari and being... Um, like more competitive in this area because that's that's where they wanted to needed to be competitive is on the the mobile side and they weren't because they didn't have to be uh but then being competitive there means that desktop safari will improve by leaps and bounds as well so um i think this is overall good for all intents and purposes probably uh because one the third-party browsers will suck for a bit um which is always fun to (laughs) Tell people, like, why are you using that instead? Just use yeah. Safari. Um, and then, two, Apple will start taking it seriously. So that's that's what we wanted from them 
from the beginning uh, that they couldn't do before because they're too far up their uh, their own uh, figurative holes to realize where they were. Yeah, I agree. I not yeah, I wasn't saying that like this is a bad thing or anything. It does say that um, it's it appears that Apple's added more staff to the WebKit team or perhaps will. So seems like maybe this will drive more feature parity, quote unquote, with the other browsers, sort of not backends, but maybe renderers. I don't know. Yeah. And it seems to be like Apple's probably the one company out there that is not laying off tons and tons of people. Uh, mm-hmm. So if they are growing that team, then I'd say that means that they are relatively uh, serious about it, right? Um, because at the end of the day, the whole rest of the industry is laying people off left and right. Um, yeah. And yeah, if they're going to catch up, now's the time, I would say. This week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Super Easy Timer. Super Easy Timer is a quick and easy way to use a timer app for your Mac. It's completely text-based, so you can type in English what you want. 20 minutes or 5 p.m., hit enter and instantly start a timer. The timer understands English text to create, update, and start a new timer. You can quickly change an active countdown even while it's still counting down. There's simple keyboard shortcuts to reset or pause, no menus, no sliders, just use English to control your timer. We want to thank Super Easy Timer for sponsoring our show. Search for Super Easy Timer on the Mac App Store today to give it a try. So, Spencer... I've got a code completion tip for you, Uh, and it has to do with optionals again. Um, Have you ever run into the situation where you have an optional type um, and you wanted a different optional type? So previously, you'd have to declare your second type, and then you'd have to do an if let your first one and then like transform it uh, Mm -hmm. and like put it in that variable. Uh, And that was never a nice thing. It's not like a nice one-liner. Uh, though now you can do the new if statement so you can just say like let my type equal if let something else um, so that's really cool uh, but there's actually something you could have done all along and that is to use map on optionals because optionals they they just have a map a map method uh, and that allows you to just like with promises and futures um, and event loop futures you can go ahead and map a different result onto oh. your optional. So you can say my optional dot map um, open curly brace and then dollar zero in that situation is going to be the unwrapped optional. Um, and you're only handling the non-optional case. Uh, so then you can go ahead and transform it to whatever you want, different type, uh, same type, different value, um, what have you. Um, and then once you close the map, you return a brand new optional that is of a different type. So that's like a really great way of transforming like a string if you needed to wrap it in a few characters um especially when like dealing with an optional string is kind of a half headache uh you Mm -hmm. can just go ahead and do that or if you had an optional number and you needed to do like arithmetic on it um you need to like multiply by five you can't just multiply an optional by five uh but you can take your optional number and say dot map uh dollar zero times five and then you have an optional number multiplied by five um so that's a really a really useful thing to do on optionals. Hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's cool. So in that closure, it's not optional. It's sort of like the, if the, yeah, in it's the theoretical state that it is, it does exist. 
That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, d- I didn't realize that you could um, perform map on like a single object, like instead of, yeah, like mapping through an array of optionals and changing it that way. So that's cool. That's a, uh, yeah, I definitely didn't know that one. Yeah, and I think there is a way of like mapping the fa- the the nil state as well. Um I don't remember though. I think flat map also works. Like if it is nil then change it to something else. Yeah, um and you can change it to something else that is also an optional and it'll just kind of rewrap it so you don't get a cool. doubly wrapped optional right i don't know have you ever worked with graphql and swift no okay uh let me let me uh bring on to you the the fresh hell that is a double doubly wrapped <laughs> optionals <laughs> those are those are not fun to deal with um but yeah it just it just sprinkles them in everywhere uh and that's fun. because graphql on uh on uh the typescript side can be uh either the type like a string um, or undefined or nil, uh, so you get this, this um, trifecta of, uh, of fun values, uh, to deal with. Um, and that gets translated into Swift as a string question mark, question mark, uh, which is absolutely bananas, but, uh, that is, that is what it is. Uh, so we just, yeah, it's, it's the worst to deal with. Uh, but yeah, uh, when you don't need to deal with that, uh, maps on optionals are, uh, an excellent kind of thing to to play around with. So um, I found a quick example on hacking with Swift because hacking with Swift has an example for absolutely anything you can think of. Uh, so uh, I just <laughs> literally Googled, and that was the first thing that came up uh, for a link for the show notes. So uh, put that there. So definitely do check that out. It's a great tip. Um, I use them everywhere in my code bases. So um, makes for makes for easy one-liners when you're dealing with simple optionals and you don't want to distract too much with a bunch of iflets and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live and feel free to toot at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that can enables us to continue doing this and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss once again i want to give my thanks to spencer who is at spencer c curtis that's s-p-e-n-c-e-r-c-c-u-r-t-i-s for joining me this week my name once again is dimitri you can find me at dimitri bunil that's d-i-m-i-t-r-i-b-o-u-n-i-o-l and we'll see you all next week bye yeah uh i want to talk about something else though uh and that is zelda because we got Ooh. Zelda stuff that came out, and I am it's giddy. exciting. It is very yeah, exciting. It's, it's crazy to think, though, that we have like three months until it comes out, which is like nuts because it's been five years or something since Breath of the Wild came out. So, uh, I think this game has had more development time than any prior Zelda, and it's a sequel building off Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Which is insane. Which, it is insane. It looks really cool. Um the the trailer that they uh put in in the direct is juicy. Uh both from like a game mechanic standpoint and like a story standpoint. 
um, Dimitri found a really good video that was, you know, it's a, a speculation into how this fits in the timeline and what does uh, all of this stuff mean. I think we talked about in a previous episode, like cryptic, the, all the some crypto- cryptographers going through and trying to translate the the text and everything. So it's kind of more of the same thing, um, more of the same style, not the same thing. Um, so yeah, could be really interesting and, uh, an interesting way of like linking it to, uh, the timeline that is perhaps not. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll link the video. I'm sure. Yeah. It was really cool. I'll, I'll definitely be sure to link. Um, it's mostly a bunch of videos by a YouTuber named Zeltic. Uh, and they do an excellent job at one making these videos, but two like narrating them in a spectacular way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but three, uh, like making some darn good points. Uh, so for instance, um, and I'm just like stealing what he says. So go watch the videos because he will do a way better job than I can and a very classy accent, mind you. Yes. Um, but basically he posits that, uh, Breath of the Wild kind of happens at the end of, uh, all the Zelda timelines because Zelda timelines, that's a thing. Um, if you're into Zelda, you, you are aware of the timelines. Right now. Um, uh, and it's just at the th- at end of the three timelines. And if you if you're confused by the fact that there are three timelines, don't worry. Um, it doesn't it it doesn't need to doesn't. matter anymore because it happens at the end. Um, and along with the little tidbit that Nintendo shared of they didn't want to reveal the title because it would be a spoiler. And then you look at the title and it's like, what on earth is this spoiling? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize that it's not so much the title but the graphics for the title that are spoiling the fact that it's and Ouroboros and the significance right. of like uh, the rebirth and uh, like con- continuous cycles, cycles that never end, uh, and the fact that maybe Breath of the Wild is a prequel to Skyward Sword. <laughs> <laughs> and you might be wondering, like, well, where did that come from? Well, Skyward Sword and like happened after uh, the the world was like sent to the skies because of great calamity sound familiar yeah. um so yeah i i am i am 100 percent down with that theory that theory sounds cool i don't care if yeah. it's if it doesn't end up being the case it just sounds yeah cool well at this point. one thing that was like uh okay was the um the i i don't know if it's like the producer or the director of breath of the wild and also tears of the kingdom was the what had the same title for Skyward Sword, which is like the two bookends of this timeline. And so it kind of like, he's got this whole, you know, backstory, potentially uh, a good way to link it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Yeah. So it's 10,000 years after everything other Zeldas. And then it's 10,000 years prior to the next one. It doesn't mean there can't be more Zeldas. There's plenty of time in between for more Zeldas to happen. Uh, but it does explain the fact that Nintendo is like, we have this timeline and we don't really care about it. Um, well, here's a yeah, nice then... way of uh, writing that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was surprised when Skyward Sword came out that they like had, I don't know, the timeline like it seems to have made everything difficult for them. And I'm sure they just want to kind of like uh, retcon it somehow. <laughs> somehow. So, yeah. It's exciting it's... though. I'm super stoked. They they could always pull like oh this is an alternate dimension of Zelda they already did that there's three timelines <laughs> they already went yeah, down yeah. that rabbit hole um but yeah 
So one thing I want to say, though, which has become abundantly clear in the last uh, couple weeks is uh, the Switch is anemic uh, as far as hardware goes. And I'm scared for the performance of this new game because I've been playing the new Fire Emblem game and it's mostly a 3D board game. That's pretty much it. I have videos, and I'm sure you could look it up um, on YouTube or something, but, like, just scrolling across the map leads to, like, less than double-digit frame per second at times. And I'm like, this is not a hard game to run, I'm sure. And it's just the, the Switch is so underpowered that, like, it's it's amazing to me that as, like, the first game, Breath of the Wild ran at all it's i don't set know if it's unfair expectations honestly it set very unfair expectations because nothing really ran as well as that since yeah. and it wasn't the even only... optimized for the switch which is the scariest part i know dude and that's like the 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 only other game that i can think of that runs well is like smash because like it kind of has to but like that's it dude the game i'm playing it's so not like graphically it has parts where it looks like a normal like Zelda type game. It doesn't look as good as Bre- I I don't know. Breath of the Wild is like cell shade and stuff, but my point is the game is like 5 or 6 years newer than Breath of the Wild and the performance is terrible. So, it's a fun game and I like it, but like there are points when I'm just scrolling through the map and I'm like this is awful, dude. This is like unplayable and it makes me want to like grab an emulator and play it on my PC cuz it's so bad. So I'm sure they'll, they, uh, hopefully they've, you know, optimized Tears of the Kingdom to be even better than Breath of the Wild because it did, you know, stutter at times and stuff. But I just, I wish we had a more powerful console that even if it kept it at 1080p, that's fine. But if it had it at a locked 60 would be so nice. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that Tears of the Kingdom has a better chance than Breath of the Wild, mostly because... A, it was kind of optimized for the Wii U, which was even worse hardware. Um, and now we had five years for at least some engineer to really, like, hack at it uh, and and really improve uh, the performance for individual pieces and key functionalities. So um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic there, especially when you consider, like, the difference. Like, take the N64, for instance. That was, like, very underpowered hardware. Um, and sure. the difference between like Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time, which came several years later, was night and day. Like that's fair. Yeah, there's a lot of improvements that you can get with something that came out at the very beginning of a generation's like timeline versus at the very end. And it's a big shame that like Fire Emblem and Pokemon are <laughs> with the Pokemon, yeah, <laughs> like not great. But I heard like Xeno. Blade Chronicles looks amazing um, yeah. by comparison, right. and they really like optimize the hell out of it. Um, and that's a team that was working with like Nintendo on Breath of the Wild. So okay. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Good. That's yeah. That's It'll nice. still I mean... be 960p. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic that it'll at least it'll at least meet up with the expectations of Breath of the Wild. Like it won't be worse than that. It'll be better. Yeah, I I agree that it's Breath of the Wild sort of set a an unfair precedent for every game to come because it's like, 
dude how could you mess this up man i don't know <laughs> we only time, had 200 people working on this for five years how could you do such a poor job yeah but but yeah may dude it's coming i'm excited so soon i need to i was just gonna say i'll probably i need to probably put in my week of time off right now (laughs) take two take two weeks oh that's so (laughs) much time dude i'll take at least a week but um i'm sure that at this point Especially with this latest trailer, they're probably not going to change the date. So I feel comfortable in now asking for time off. And yeah, yeah. So, what do you exciting. think about the redeads? Pinch your mouth redeads. I don't, I don't know if I remember them honestly. I've only you watched the trailer one time. You didn't see the pinch your mouth redeads? I don't think I remember them. No, they they look gnarly. Do they? Yeah. Cool. There's some like cool enemies, like big golem type things and stuff. It's like it looks cool. Yeah, they showed up a lot of bosses. Honestly, yeah. Like I was not expecting it. Whether it's the the like stone the block Minecraft golem thing that you're gonna need yeah. to fight, um, or the the three headed dragon that's just on the bridge of Lake Hylia. Um, that's exciting. That seems fun. Uh, it seems like they they showed off like more in the distance. Like, there was a whole bunch of Moldugas or whatever. Those, like, sand creatures yeah. that I honestly avoided. I was afraid of that. Oh, I didn't want totally. to mess with that. Uh, they they forced me to fight that thing once, and I was like, there's a king one? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm sticking with the weak one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be quite the game, I think. Um, yeah. I, I think crafting is going to be a big, one, big thing this time around. Mm-hmm. Especially when people complain, it's like, oh, you collect all these things and you can't craft anything with them other than food. Um, and honestly, did you ever make food? I just stocked up on apples. I raided the little forest of apples <laughs> that was on like Satori Mountain or whatever. Um, and then like any any danger, I paused and ate, ate my apples to go back to full <laughs> 20 hearts or whatever. <laughs> no, I would just get like the, the durians or the... Um, oh, the hardy durians? Yeah. And just put like and four of like, them in the thing and you get like yeah. infinite yellow hearts. Exactly, yeah. Be like, okay, I'm good. Um, dude, playing on uh, Master Mode was fun, but it's like yellow Bacoblins just like drain 20 hearts at once and you're like, holy crap, okay. It's, you know, it'd be cool to, I don't know, I, I don't know what else you would craft, but it would be cool to kind of integrate that more and. Well, it yeah, seems like I'm you excited can to see craft shields they... and swords. Yeah, like, and that's cool. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, be interesting. I mean, they they have five years, right? To like, I guess perfect um, what Breath of the Wild is, and uh, <laughs> it's almost like a a 2.0, like big version difference. And like, how can they take what's good about Breath of the Wild and uh, fix everything that's not so i'm sure they've had extensive testing to you know like ab style testing or whatever to see like what what is good what's not i'm sure they experimented a lot i guess is what i'm getting at i think as long as they bring back like seven to ten dungeons i think i would be like more than happy that's the biggest thing i missed 
is having yeah. like a proper a big... like unique dungeon that's different than every other dungeon that's there um because that that's what like yes zelda games are linear but then once you go in the dungeons then it doesn't feel linear it feels like you're solving a little puzzle box um yeah and that that was the fun part so i i really hope that we get a whole bunch of those um rather than like the divine beast or the shrines like yeah they were fun uh but it didn't really meet up that expectation that dungeons traditionally did right yeah, I'm sure that just by like the open world nature of it and there having to be some way to fill it, I'm sure they'll do some sort of shrine style thing. But yeah, like a big sort of legacy dungeon would be like a lot of them would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like the 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 spiral like energy thingies are becoming mm-hmm. the new shrines or at least fast transport. Um, like they are absolutely everywhere in the new trailer. Yeah. So uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what is involved with activating them. Is it like a full shrine or is it just like an activating and you have this like waypoint that you can kind of use. Um, and it seems like the towers are back, uh, this time with spotlights. Um, and I was kind of like wondering, are these towers also entrances to the underground, which they showed off? Yeah. That'd be cool. Like that becomes the entrance to the cave systems that you can then go ahead and explore. Um, and that'd be really neat, along with the islands. Yeah. I think the best part is, like, there's not much time. There There isn't much of a wait anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, I've largely ignored, you know, I mean, when, when was the first, like, teaser? It was, like, 2019 or something? Like, <laughs> like it was three a long years time ago. ago. <laughs> Four years yeah, ago. Yeah, dude. Something ridiculous. And I'm, like... This isn't coming out anytime soon, but like now I'm like getting pretty hyped up because I know like we're finally actually there for real this time. So Mm -hmm. that's that's always just like we have a Ganondorf voice actor. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, except he's like American and he sounds not awesome. I don't know. (laughs) He needs an accent. I just I I don't know. I'm like so used to like the Ocarina of Time Ganondorf like only laugh and grunt that it's it's weird that like he has an accent or like he has a voice at all just like link you know what i mean it'd be Mm -hmm. weird if link had a voice no matter what it was i think the funniest thing was in triforce percent when he suddenly starts speaking japanese (laughs) that was the funniest thing uh you have like "Hmm." the british zelda and then arigato gozaimasu (laughs) 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 that was just the the cherry on the top of wackadoodle ideas that have come to the Zelda community recently. It's um, so good. That Zelda or Triforce percent is so cool, dude. Very impressive. Very very impressive. Insanely. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the the crazy wackadoodle like contraptions that you'll be able to make. Like they have yeah. a full physics. Set. You bet. Yeah. Like I bet you that they came up with the idea of like let's let people make a car. Uh, as soon as they saw the videos of people like stacking the minecarts on each the other and carts. just like yeah. turning it into a little like hovercraft that they could just yeah. take with them, as soon as the developers saw that that video on the internet, I bet you they're like, "Okay, we see we'll you. It. We're giving you the tools to just make whatever you want. Uh, here's some green goop. Uh, you take green goop and glue wheels and headlights and this control That's so like, cool. rod, and you can just make your quadcopter if you want." Or your your yeah. car. Um, why you would do this? 
I guess we'll have to come up with a reason why you should be motivated to do it, right? Um, yeah, go from island to island or something. I don't know. Well, like, why would you need a car? Most of Breath of the Wild is, like, not flat. Uh, so some people are, like, suggesting, well, maybe you need to transport something that you can't just hold on to. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Like, yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. Um, that That's a valid use case. Um, probably would take more time to assemble your car, but um, why not? Yeah. Uh, you got headlights. Maybe well, a that's horn. the thing, like... Honk, honk. That's, a, <laughs> that's the thing with Breath of the Wild was, like, there were so many ways that you could solve whatever puzzle mm-hmm. or shrine or anything that like that's kind of what made it fun it was like how is your ingenuity going to solve this problem and there's not like one way to do it so mm-hmm. that's i think what made breath of the wild such a good game is like you could approach it from so many different ways and you know fun to see what speedrunners come up with flying with trees and stuff before they get into like the hardcore glitchy stuff but like you know that's like probably semi it's all in the or... blsss now the... Yeah, it's crazy what they do now. Just like <laughs> wiggle like back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Why is why is uh, why is Zelda flying? Um, <laughs> Zelda. So yeah, it's it's gonna be really cool to see what comes up. Uh, my number one question is: I have not seen bombs anywhere. I don't think they're oh. back as runes. I think they might be back as items. We just didn't see them yet. Um, which yeah. means like no more wind bombs, that's for sure. Uh and maybe there's just no bombs, which would be kind of like Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they bring back any of the old runes or anything. Well they have like a pseudomagnesis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. they have the one like, that, like stops it. Well, not the one that stops it, or... like picking up the wheel out of the bog. Like it doesn't work with metal things, it works with like zonai things or whatever the new tech is um they showed that they showed uh like reversing time on the the spike ball that Mm -hmm. was coming down i think that was like the first Mm -hmm. gameplay trailer that they showed off Mm -hmm. um and then they showed off link like turning into a droplet of water yeah and like phasing through the top of an island right um so they showed off some pieces i don't think this is gonna be camera um amiibo why not i wish you can just do amiibo without the, the choosing the rune it's just like tap the thing um unless it uses energy i don't know just tap the thing um yeah. and then and then yeah there's the bombs which i guess i would be fine with returning as an item right yeah like it was nice having infinite bombs, but yeah i i wouldn't miss them i'm i'm kind of used to the fact that you just gotta hunt for bombs cut down the grass until you find some bombs that's, um, yeah, because that makes sense. Yeah, it's where bombs are hiding, obviously. Of course, of course. It's a, a one sad thing from Breath of the Wild is you can cut down all the grass you want. There's nothing to find <laughs> other than like crickets, dragonflies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a departure for Zelda. For yeah, sure. and maybe this one's the one where it like ropes it back in, um, and. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. It's like 12, 13 weeks, right? Yeah. Right around the corner. Yeah, and we're both like hunting for the whatever, collector's edition. Okay, so apparently the collector's edition went up momentarily on Best Buy. um, Oh, really? Accidentally. Uh, Best Buy wasn't supposed to put it up. uh, So then they took it down. 
Target put it also up, but they just like left it until it sold out, I guess. Um, Dang it, dude. Yeah. It's uh, heavily being scalped at the moment. Um, oh, no doubt. So that's that. Uh, I think Nintendo needs to take one out of Apple's book and just like sell things. And then if you sell out, just continue selling them. But just like say the order. Yeah. Just say the dates yeah. a little later. I'd be fine yeah. with that. I think everyone I would, would be too. fine with that. But it's way better than like scalping because at the end of the day it's like you're a company for kids. Not like yeah, yeah we're we're also there. Uh yeah, but it's hell, like yeah. don't don't do this for kids. That's like the worst thing. Because then kids yeah. blame their parents for not getting them the game or yeah. whatever. Uh and like those poor parents not cool not, not cool. cool nintendo also not cool scalpers you guys suck yeah it's like it's like scalpers i think like it sucks that people just are like oh this is a hot item so I'm a, i mean it was like with the whole graphics card thing that lasted like two and a half years dude uh which people just being like not you know they're like people that would sell and resell shoes were just like oh GPU is the hot item right now. I'm going to do the same thing with GPUs, and it made like everyone suffer because they were just trying to make a buck. So it's a bummer that people do that. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm excited. Yep. Can't wait. We we need <laughs> like a, a we need like a side podcast called Game Completion or something. <laughs> this is like yeah. I've completed zero games this past decade, but I'm uh, here to talk about them. Actually, you could probably tell me all about the all the cool games that you're playing, and then I will just live vicariously through you. No. Well, you played Breath of the Wild. That was in the last ten years. It was in the second half of ten years. Still part of ten years, dude. <laughs> but yes. Well, uh, you know, you're going to add Tears of the Kingdom. That'll be two for uh, a lot. Out of 10 years? I'll at least play Pikmin 4. Okay, there we go. Yeah. That, I that probably one's will a, not. That, that one's a, a definite play for me. Um, though, yeah, the last time I played a Pikmin game to completion was definitely... When did the Wii U come out? 2014? 2013? Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, I basically bought a Wii U to... Oh, 2012. Holy 2012. crap. <laughs> uh, I think I bought a Wii U to play to play Pikmin. Um, which, like... You did well, Wii U, I guess. I thought it was a pretty cool console. It was before its time. Or too late it was before, before its time. Um, it was... It, it well, was yeah, it's like... Mistimed. Pre- <laughs> yes, it's like... And also, like, a precursor for the Switch. It just, like, wasn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved... I As a kid, I would have loved the idea of, like, oh, my parents are kicking me off the TV. I'm just going to take this little gizmo and just walk... Yes. ...to the corner of yes. the living room and continue playing while parents are watching their important stuff. Um, like, totally fine with the, that. The news. That would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parents probably would not be happy with that, but for me, that would have been amazing. Uh, but yeah. I guess the the switch kind of one ups that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Anyways, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Very exciting, though. 